Welcome to the Motivational Firewood Radio Show, hosted by keynote speaker, author, and vision board mastery creator, Steve Gamlin. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Hey there, my friend. Steve Gamlin here. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Motivational Firewood Radio Show. Today, we've got my buddy, my apex brother, Louis Vandervoort with us. Louis is co-founder of Integrity Junk Removal and Demolition. He's also the owner and founder of Blue Crocus Solutions, web design, search engine optimization, and Google ads for contractors. Why contractors? Well, Louis has a background in construction. He has a degree in mechanical engineering. He is living proof that at the road can change it will and you just keep finding better roads he is married to the beautiful Alyssa, and they have three awesome kids so lewis thank you so much for being a part of the motivational firewood radio show steve an honor to be here excited to excited to jump in we always have some great conversations my pleasure we've known each other well offline we've known each other for a while now we have yet to meet in person but we are going to remedy that sometime very soon and another thing to note is we are on the uh taller end of the height scale of uh all the people that we run with which is also a really cool thing it is yeah pretty crazy six foot eight over here and uh i I always like hanging out with average height people even if it's just online yeah well six two over here although i'm down to like six one and a quarter which i blame on a rough skydive landing in 2005 which is actually true (laughs) it's better than saying i may have you know early onset osteoporosis it's way sexier to sing skydiving accident yeah just just compress things a little bit I love yeah it. yeah oh it did believe me judging that last 15 feet was a little tough <laughs> were you solo or were you with a uh, partner i was solo on that one as a matter of fact it was my first solo and you know the lesson that still rings through today is if something happens you'll know what to do because i was trained and paid attention to the right people and it was Mm. true i just misjudged how quickly the uh, ground was coming up at the end of that ride that's wild that's cool so so how many solos have you done uh that was the only one that's amazing that was enough hey i survived that one yeah if if i did anything (laughs) i I made so many mistakes on that i tell people when i'm on stage i said look the only way i could have screwed up that jump any worse is if i dove out of the plane and went up because every other phase of it i made mistakes recovered from every single one and you're here to tell the tale. That's the ultimate recovery. Tell the tale. Right? Well, yeah. I mean, that's that's the important part right there. Going back to the beginning for you, I was going to say when you were little, but you're very, very tall. When you were younger, what did you want to do? Who did you want to be? What did future Lewis look like to maybe single digit or teenage Lewis? So future Lewis actually wasn't a vision that I loved. Um, it was, it was uh, you know, carrying on in the family business. I grew up uh, on a farm you know, combined with a with a large greenhouse facility, mm-hmm. over 200 employees shipping Texas, Alaska, all over the place from New Brunswick, Canada, where we are. And so it was a lot of just, you know, the same old stuff. There's a lot of production stuff, seeding the plants, moving them around to different grow zones, you know, outside 14, 15 acres of outside growing area just for mums, you know, and poinsettia growing inside, all of that. And it's interesting at first, I am very much a, I love, I'll do anything once. When you put me in the same monotonous task over and over, I ran a seeding line for four years. I I believe it was four years. And so I would try and mix up the drudgery by going as fast as we could, you know, still getting quality, um, you know, and interacting with my team. But I didn't see a future in that. But that was, you know, kind of understood that I would carry on in that because it was the family business and and so on. None of my family had been to university or, or college. And so that was that was, you know, what it was. I wasn't even really given an option to think otherwise. 
But then around, uh, you know, 17, 18, started being like, man, I, I just can't see this being the the route that I'm going to go. So started looking at some some options. And uh, my cousin went to, to university for computer science. And I was like, man, maybe there's something in this. Then it was four years later, actually, that I went to university. Um, so I worked out of high school. I worked for four years as uh, in construction. So a little bit of a, a change of pace, but doing concrete work, framing, et cetera. There was always add-ons being done to the business uh, infrastructure, right? So I got to to work on that, which I enjoyed more. I got paid to work out. I used to tell my friends as they would, you know, haul themselves to the gym. But I said, "Hey, if I want a family, I've got to I've got to find something that uh, you know works with that. Find a career, as they say, right?" Mm-hmm. And so my cousin was like, "You know, we we kept up to speed on university. He was kind of my window into that world." And he was like, "Well, you like like I didn't know what I wanted to do." He's like, "You like science and math." Why don't you do like mechanical engineering? You like fixing stuff. That's that's the obvious next step. So I did. I I applied. I got in and did a degree in mechanical engineering. Worked all through through there. But then again, it was it was kind of like that was what I was doing. There was no there was no dream, right? I I enjoyed the work. I enjoyed learning. And then fast forward to 2019, we'd gotten married while I was in school. Um, I had a basically a full time job all th- through school to support you know, support myself along the way, pay for my tuition. I graduate in 2019. We've got a two month old, you know, three months after I graduate and I'm going to work before he's up and coming back, you know, and barely seeing him. And I'm like, man, this is, this isn't the dream either. Right. Mm. And so I started looking at some options. I started looking at some ways I could be more flexible. Also some ways I could supplement my income, which is funny, you know, being an engineer, you're supposed to make all the money. But where I was working, I wasn't making a, a ton of money. It was a it was a family business. So I said, well, maybe there's ways I can supplement my income so we can do the things that we want to do, have the four kids that we'd like to have, you know, so on and so forth. Of Like two months later, I bought training. You know, I like to say I, I convinced my first sale in the business was convincing my wife to take the money we'd save for a bathroom renovation and moving it to paying for a course. Right. So I bought a course in website design, development, SEO. That sort of stuff. I had no background in it, but it just made sense to me that I could I could kind of come back full circle, do this, work in the contracting space, and so on. So I started the business August 1st of 2019, jumped in, and then 20 days later, Steve, I got let go from my job. What happened is I dove into this entrepreneurial space, no background in actually running this type of business, but I started being surrounded by people who were all shooting for the stars. So I'm like, I gotta I gotta absorb everything I can about this. So I started listening to podcasts. I started listening to Tim, reading Tim Ferriss's book. I started just diving into this ecosystem and, and just soaking it up because that's what I do when I, you know, I'll go hard on anything. I'll do, I'll do anything once, right? And so Tim Ferriss says, you know, hey, if you if you have a dream or an idea, go for it. And I was like, well, I'm doing that with the business. And he also kind of talked about if you're an employee still, ask for the raise that you want. I was like, all right, cool, let's do it. So I went to my boss, who's a family friend, you know, and I and I said. Uh, We've always agreed if I'm going to go look for a new job, I'm going to come to you first and we'll chat about it. I said, this is what I need to be making. This is how many kids we want. And this is what my friends are making right out of university with no experience. And I've been here four years. He said, all right, cool. I'll come back to you. This this was a Tuesday I talked to him. Mm-hmm. He said, I'll co- come back to me Thursday and we'll have an answer. Thursday, we actually spent the whole day doing a two-year planning with the whole company. I was assigned all my tasks for the next two years, all of this stuff. I was like fully involved in this. I said, Cody, what uh, what about that meeting we were going to connect? He said, oh, yeah, come to my office at 4.30. Going at 
And he's like, uh, yep, so I'll just pack up your stuff and, and be out of here tomorrow. I was like, whoa, 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 slow, slow the roll here. What's going on? Yeah. Like, and he's like, yeah, just like, we can't afford that, what you want. Um, and it doesn't make sense to keep you on just stringing you out on projects. And I was like, I, I did ask, I was like, is there any way I can finish the projects I'm on, you know, while I look for a job? Because as we discussed, I haven't been looking for jobs, you know, I was going to come to you and discuss first. So I drove home and I had to tell Alyssa that big career that we've uh, we've been running and gunning for through university, et cetera. That job's gone. Obviously, there's other jobs in that space, but it was it was a gut punch. You yeah. know, I, I got home and she was I remember she was sitting on the, the bed uh, nursing Everett. And I, I walked in and I, I think I ended up crying like I, I processed it. And I was like, this is our whole life. What are we going to do? I'm like reality starts setting in on a 20 minute drive. It's like, there's no income. I've just spent all our savings on investing in the new business. Mm. The plan's falling apart. Yeah. But I will tell you, Steve, when he said that, when Cody told me that there was equal doses of terror and excitement. It's Mm. the weirdest thing. It's like that moment still, I can picture myself in that seat, hearing those words in his office. And it was equal mixtures of terror and excitement because I knew that I was too scared to leave this job, but I also couldn't see myself there in two years. I think I might still be there. I told someone else this on a podcast the other day. I think I might still be there if it weren't for them letting me go. Maybe they saw that. As a business owner now, looking back, I think a lot differently about the decision he had to make. I don't know if I would have made that decision if it was my employee. I don't know what I would have done, but obviously they they decided to make that decision. I'm, I'm actually super grateful for that. When we have that, that, you know, they always say hindsight is twenty twenty. The in the moment, I love that you said part of it was terror and part of it was total elation. Like, finally, you know, Cody did the thing for me that I couldn't do for myself, which was just cut ties and just jump into this entrepreneurial thing. And I've been entrepreneurial my whole life. And for yeah. me, it was the radio industry every time. And I was in the radio industry for 10 years as a rock morning show producer, won awards, just, just had a really good run. But every time the radio station I worked at would be sold, we'd all get fired. And at each time I'm like, well, maybe I should go do my own thing. And then another station would come along to be an opening. I'm like, okay, I'll be at this one. We got fired three years later from that one. You know, this is the sign. This is the sign. And finally at the end of it, at the 10th year, the owner of that radio station, and I was getting burned out and frustrated and exhausted. Anyway, my marriage was starting to fall apart and everything. And I heard that the owner might be selling. And for the first time, I took the leap and said, mm. I'm out of here with, I mean, with plans for what I wanted to do, but no actual plan just to yeah. follow, you know, but, but here's the thing that worked for you. Everything you'd done up until then, going to university, having the, you know, the habits going out into construction and learning, getting paid to work out, like you said. So all of these skills and all these seeds that got planted set you up perfectly for being an entrepreneur, for doing what you're yeah. doing. Even if people on the outside would have been like, what's Lewis doing now? You know, he he walked away from the good job with the good pay as far many as people, people think. Many My parents were like, are you using any of the stuff you learned in university? I was like, well, I learned how to learn. So yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> Believe me, I've got the four-year business, yeah. uh, Bachelor of Arts in Business that – People go, yeah, but you own a business now. I'm like, yeah, but that's not what they teach you to do <laughs> at <Yeah>. all. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're learning all this other stuff. So 
while you were in between getting hit back and forth over the net between terror and elation, what were the first steps? You know, how did you convince Alyssa and even yourself that it was a good thing that all of this happened? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I was, I felt somewhat trapped there and I think I'd still be there to be honest. It's four years now coming up on four years. I might still be there, which is crazy. So there was that elation there. And then kind of coming back to me as an employee, I don't think I was a very good employee, Steve. I don't think looking at what I want from an employee now, it's like, I don't think I like seeing the full vision. and I kind of need to see that vision before I take action. And so I think I just was never, never cut out for that. So it was like having those feelings. And then I was like, all right, over 20 days into starting the new business, I guess it's time to go hard. And so I did, I went out and I canvassed the local area, got a couple clients right away, um, you know, and went right around. I ended up getting a, a job, you know, an interim job with a startup company for about another year. But I remember when I started, the day I started that job, the day I got my friend called me up and said, hey, you know, where everyone agrees, you know, we'll hire you. It was not excitement. It was not excitement uh, being hired. I was actually disappointed. I was hoping no one would hire me, to be perfectly honest with you. And it was very weird. So I said that day, we were at a family function. And that day, I said on my calendar, June 30th, I'm taking Alyssa out to dinner to celebrate leaving, you know, employeehood for good. That was a, it was it was September I think when I got the job, ended up being July seventh uh, because I ran a little bit over you know transitioning out of the job. But it was uh, I knew right then I wasn't going back and I couldn't go back, you know. And and it uh, that moment also helped Alyssa see the career versus the business path. I think you know that hey maybe a career isn't as stable as we think it is. Yeah, and so many people say yeah. be careful what you wish for because you might just get it. But for people like us. When you do finally cut ties, or if you make it so that the other person is the one cutting the ropes and you get to. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't entirely my intention. I did text my friend uh, the Tuesday that I went in and talked to Cody. I texted Ryan and I said, uh, I just went, uh, I went uh, all in or I went big or I went bust. That's what I said. I said, I just went big or I went bust with Cody. And he is, I don't remember what he said. But in my mind, I was like, there's no way they're just going to let me go. Like, worst they're going to do is they're going to come back and say, you know, we just can't. Right. But part of me knew, part of me knew, Steve, and I was okay with it. And that yeah. was the only reason that I made the move. So I kind of forced the hand a, a little bit and, and got mm-hmm. dealt, you know, what I kind of was hoping would come back, but was too scared to actually ask for yeah, or to right. do. And it was, it was very interesting, very interesting looking at back and, and talking about it. Yeah. And, and when I have clients that I'm working with, with visualization work, law of attraction and all that, to take the woo-woo out of it all. I tell people, I said, look, don't mess with the law of attraction unless you're really serious about what you want yeah. and you're and you're open yeah. and willing for for that thing to happen. You know, so many people just say, I need a change. And then all of a sudden they lose their job, their relationship ends and all these other things happen. And they'll say, well, what what happened? And I'll go, look, I told you, you be careful. Change. You got what you asked for. It, it Maybe not hmm. in the way you wanted it, but it's the energy we put out there. It's it's what we're looking for, even if we're not 100% clear yet. I mean, you wanted to do this thing. You went in all in on yourself, investing in the course about SEO and web design and all these things, having no background in it, although you had the tools of you learned how to learn and you had the engineering background to know what all the little pieces do and what the big picture looks like when you put all those pieces together. And so many people mm-hmm. are on the non-engineering side, like myself, pure visionary. And, and I need it's funny, integrator. actually, I, I think I think I'm more of a visionary than an integrator, even though I did engineering. Yeah. Um, 
I could apply myself to do it, but it's not my it's not my base operating. Someone like Kyle Reed, he's got that set up, right? But that's not it, it just isn't I, I want to be out designing things and, and creating, which I was doing design in my job. Yeah. But I wasn't doing like system stuff. The system stuff is still a weakness for me. Yeah. And Kyle's my systems yeah. guy. We we talked yeah, about I know. this off the air, you know, me being <laughs> yeah. a hardcore visionary and for years struggling to grow the business. I mean, I, I love what I do and I love all those aspects. And I very grudgingly would do the other stuff and cobble it together. You know, me as as an integrator is like MacGyver, you know, trying to save the world with a popsicle stick, a Hershey bar and some duct tape. And, and that's yeah, what yeah. I did. And my results reflected that for a number of years. So what do you think has been your secret to make Blue Crocus so successful over the past couple of years? If you are leaning more towards the visionary side and not as much of an integrator, how did how did that pan out? Because I know it's been just a few years, but you're already you're very successful with it. What did that look like? Honestly, it's it's getting people around me who can point me back in the right direction, whether it be coaches, whether it be, you know, just the mindset of Apex, which is, you know, how we connected, but having coaches around me, honestly, to kind of keep me on the on the path. I've had one of my coaches, Jason, we kind of set out a goal of taking a week off every quarter this year to stress test the systems because we're kind of rebuilding systems and whatnot in the business. Mm-hmm. Can the people that we've given the roles can, you know, have they been given enough to take the role? And I remember I came back, we we agreed on that, like, I think November of last year, that was kind of our plan. I came back mid-December and I was like, you know what? I was talking to Alyssa and, and I was thinking, you know, maybe we just like cut it off sharp at, at five o'clock every day and I don't ever come back to the office for the day. And maybe we don't have to do the week. And he's like, okay. He's like, tell me why. And so he pulled me back to, hey, this is the commitment we made and this is why. Why don't we do both? What if we did both? You know, and and he let me make the decision, but he he pulled me back. So having people in my corner can pull me back to the things because I'll go everywhere all at once if if I'm left on my own, and sometimes I still do. The team pulls me back. <laughs> you know, I pay people to to keep me reined in, but it's it's um you know having people like that, and then we're also restructuring the business according to like the traction philosophy, the EOS philosophy, where I can sit as the visionary, and then I've got an integrating team behind me, and that we're not quite there yet. But the vision of that is that's so exciting because I like to create. I like to do marketing. I enjoy sales. But the day-to-day stuff, while I can do it and I know how to do it, it's not what fires me up. So if I can get people that can just do those things really well, then we'll just we'll all be happier. Yeah. And you cannot, 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 cannot ever over emphasize the importance of having mentors and coaches and teams and people to guide you and and you and I both know, I mean, my, my spirit animal, you know, I've gone through um, guided imagery with hypnotherapists because I've got friends who are in that space. And I'm so fascinated by it that I've been their guinea pig over the years. No, that's not mm. my spirit animal. Mine is a rabbit uh, running through some tall grass, heading for a mountain to reach the peak and see the view. But it's got a bottle rocket strapped to its back. Ooh, <laughs> and, I, mean, <laughs> I didn't, didn't see that coming. It's fast and it's all over the yeah. place. But yeah. As I've taken and on mentors, everywhere. oh my gosh, zig whatever. Just you know, sometimes the feet aren't even touching the ground anymore, but it's just flying yeah. on by, and that so accurately describes my life. And and one of the people that I went on that journey with, we still laugh about it. She goes, "How's the rabbit doing?" I'm like, "Well, the feet are on the ground now, and you know the bottle rockets burned out." Yeah, but it's but it's such a a testament to the coaches, the people who guide us, and especially when we come to the table full of all these ideas and ready to race in a bunch of directions, that I know my integrator team goes, 
oh my gosh, that's adorable, Steve, but here's what we got to do. <laughs> and then they start asking me questions. They don't tell me what to do. And that's a misconception yeah. of, of coaches in the industry. Gosh, even I, I exercise on the Peloton platform every day. And I've got people that say, I don't want somebody yelling at me to work out. I'm like, dude, I've been, I've done almost 800 workouts in the past 13 months. No one's ever yelled at me. They get the mm. best out of me every day. They say, we need you to do this, but if you can't do that, do the best you can. And what I found is I'm the healthiest, the happiest, uh, the most disciplined I've been in years mm. by surrounding myself with the right coaches. So that's, that's such an amazing point that you made about these people that you may come back with something a little different and they'll just ask you a question or two. Well, okay, what if we did that? How about if we merged the two? How about, you know, and, and something I love that you've mentioned, and this is, this is something I was going to bring up as well, Alyssa. Your relationship, and and there's so many people in the entrepreneurial space who are, it's all about me and that's it. And I'm creating a legacy and I'm going to grind it. I'm going to do all these things. How important is it to you? Because you've been together now for 10 years. Is that correct? Uh, okay. <laughs> I had to think there for a second. So we've known each other since 2013. Um, okay. We've been married since 17. Okay. So yeah. you've been married now. This so, will be, It'll be six years this year. Six years this year. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. We've figured out we've known each other. We're starting to do things for the 10th time, like go through the things, but we haven't quite yeah. known each other for 10 years because of yeah. just the time of year that we've met. I'm going to go back to where you said so many entrepreneurs are grinding and, and they want to create this legacy. That was me. Sometimes still is, Steve. Yeah. Um, if I'm being perfectly honest, I, t I tell this story in 2020. So the year I went full time, um, our second, our second child, our daughter was born. That November through May was the darkest time of my life. Mm. I was going so hard being the entrepreneur and working harder and harder and slamming my head against the wall to do this thing, to build this thing, because I thought that was the solution to happiness. And I was the I was the guy that was like posting. I was posting pretty regularly, but it was like, if you don't get up early, then you're not an entrepreneur or stuff like that, right? And what it was, and, and Alyssa would always like kind of push back against me and it irritated the heck out of me. It's like, just let me be my motivated self over here. But what happened was I realized I wasn't trying to motivate other people. I was trying to displace it and kind of make them feel bad for maybe how they were not motivated. But I was trying to yell at myself. Mm. I was trying to, to yell at myself to do it because I struggled with so much inadequacy. I struggled with so much doubt and self-hate. And through that period, I, I tried to work it out on the business and go hard and, and go harder. And I, I actually hated being a father. I found the kids were annoying as I started growing older. Like they kept me, they kept me, you know, I, I wanted to be thinking about growing this and then I got to be with them. And they're just like, you know, I, of course I love them. And on social media, I look like an amazing father, but having that realization is, you know, I didn't like myself. I didn't like being the role that I was stuck into. And so I had to work through all that. So you asked, where is Alyssa in all of this? If Alyssa wasn't here, none of this would be happening. I would be a completely different person. I, we talk about it all the time. It's like our lives are the craziest they've ever been. It'll probably just keep getting crazier. But there, we've got three kids running around. They're upstairs. I can hear them running around. The mic's probably dr drowning it out a little bit. We've got the business going on. We've got all the stuff that goes on there. But we're closer than we've ever been. Because we're we're, we've both been working on each ourselves. I'm working on each other, you know, knocking each other's rough edges off and, and little things here and there. But without her, um, I don't know where I'd be. And I also don't think I would be here if it weren't for the craziness in her life. 
Yeah. If it weren't for Alyssa, I wouldn't have the drive that I have. If it weren't for the kids coming, I wouldn't have had the drive that I had. I'd have a whole heck of a lot more time that I somehow filled with. I don't even know what I filled with it with before. <laughs> yep. But she is there. She's very grounding. She, mm-hmm. uh, in that period where I was going so hard, she would push back. And one of the things she said was, you can talk all all you want about being a millionaire in five years and being happy and and having all this time. But like then five years of your life are going to be gone. Five years of your time with the kids are going to be gone. Five years of time with me are going to be gone. That was a little bit of a, a wake up call. And so it's, you know, what's the balance between time with the family, time with growing this? I might not be able to go as fast as someone else that I see online that has no kids. That's okay. I'm building something for now as well as for the future. Yeah. Now, I certainly don't get it right every day, but it, that's the that's the goal. And and Alyssa keeps me very grounded and is also a sounding board and helps pull the threads on the things that I need to dig deeper on. Yeah. And me asking that question is not a slam on all the other entrepreneurs because I know I'll get I'll get, you know, kickback on that a little bit. Um, I think we all I think anybody in the space has that tendency. Uh, and if yeah. you don't if you don't admit to that, then at least some point in your career, then I think you're probably lying to yourself. Yeah. And and it's cool yeah. to work hard, but, and I was, I was on a coaching call with somebody who I believe at the time was 27, 28 years old. And he said it was, it was in a January, I think it was January of last year. And he said, Oh man, I'm going to make a million bucks this year. I'm going to grind like 90, hundred hours a week. This is going to be amazing. It's going to be incredible. I'm going to create all this stuff. And I said, dude, are you married? He goes, yeah. I go, you won't be. He goes, what do you mean? What do you mean? I said, look, and, and he said, he said that phrase that always gets me like fingernails on a chalkboard. He goes, but what if I create work-life balance? Like, oh man, work-life as though they're two different things. Now, the way I teach it in, in the visualization work and vision board work that I do, there's eight major areas of life. Work is one. All the other seven make up this whole thing called life. So it's like mm-hmm. you said, your relationship with Alyssa, your relationship with your kids, your physical health, your emotional well-being. God, I got my clients setting goals of what emotions they want to feel on a regular basis, which has nothing to do with how hard you work or anything else. It's how you show up every day. So it's not just what you get at the end of that five years, but it's who you become. That's the approach that I prefer to take is a little step back from just grinding, grinding, grinding. Now, there's nothing wrong with having nice stuff, but we just need to be really careful, especially when your kids are at that formative stage. You know, you don't what's left of you at the end of the five years, right? Yeah, you can't just show up five years in and go, "Hey, kids, I'm daddy," and look at all this money I saved. Look at all this stuff we're able to do as a family when you don't necessarily have what what could even just take moments a day, a relationship, an important relationship. And even if we could hear the kids like tromping around now, and I, I would think that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, they're definitely. It's very integrated. I mean, I they're we play in here on on lunch times like and, and we play in the playroom next next door to the office like it's it's very much an integrated thing yeah yeah and i love that because it's it, in i'm not the first person to say this i got dear friends who use it some people call it balance i call it integration other people use the word harmony i'm like oh i wish i'd come up with that because i think that's amazing what could just be moments a day that can give you the type of life you have now where it's where it's all these things and and something you shared on social media recently at the time we're recording this it's right around valentine's day and Alyssa shared a post about your very first valentine's day together so if you would tell me what happened that day or at least what what transpired that day and how that reminder is still part of your life now 
Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think you're referring to the, the one the, of the teddy bear that she posted. Absolutely. Yeah. So our first Valentine's day, I built a teddy bear from scratch. You know, I, I actually got, uh, I was going to get her to teach me how to sell, um, but it ended up just a time crunch because we were actually dating long distance at that time. So I got my mom to teach me to sell. I found this, uh, pattern. I made a teddy bear and she posted the picture of her with it on the first Valentine's day. And then the kids this year's Valentine's day, you know, they play with it every day. Yeah. And, uh, I had a lot to prove, Steve, to be perfectly honest with you. Looking back at, at Lewis, then I had a lot to prove and I needed a way to channel that love. For me, it was doing things. And it was, you know, we weren't seeing each other regularly because we were long distance. So I was able to channel that into things that I could create. I did that a lot when we first got, got started dating um, and, and throughout. Now I look back and I was like, mm, maybe we could have done more memories together. Yeah, it's cool that the bear's here. And I, I love the story. But it's actually it's actually a little bit of a bittersweet memory for me. Because it's like I poured so much of my time into creating that outside, obviously as a secret, right? Mm-hmm. Hours and hours, learning how to sew, learning how to cut the the fabric. I chose the stretchiest, most difficult fabric to to sew. <laughs> learning how to do all that, I felt it, but she didn't feel the time. I did the same actually when I proposed. It's uh, it's something we talk about. I spent a whole summer building like a log cabin, and I proposed to her in the log cabin. Great story, super hallmarky. But what if I had spent more time with her doing stuff, and then we just had a nice moment together? Mm-hmm. These are things. It, it's uh, it feels weird to talk about. I think you maybe were expecting something a little bit different. Um, but these are the things I think about, and I look about at, you know, where we've come from. And you ask, you know, what role has Alyssa played in your life? First of all, there's markers like those along the way, and I look back and I'm like, hmm, what was I trying to prove? I had so much to prove because I thought me doing stuff would be what earned her love. Mm-hmm. I thought making things. The more complicated, there was actually one Valentine's Day um, that I made something and I made the most, like the more complicated the project was, the more love I felt was going into it. It couldn't just be a simple card because then it was like, well, anybody can make that. I had to make her the most exquisite thing. I think you can probably see it here. This is a story I haven't shared before. See Mm -hmm. that thing on the wall there? Yeah. But uh, that octagonal uh, thing there? I made that, but it took me two years. It's a nail art thing. And it's super, super complicated, but I wanted to make something complicated. So I actually skipped a Valentine's Day gift because I was trying to make such a complicated thing for her. Probably not the conversation you thought it would be, but I reflect on these things to say, you know, where, why am I doing the things? I've learned emotions that I've had, needs that I've had, things that I had to prove through dating this girl and marrying this girl. It's, it's such an interesting confrontation with yourself when you're mixed up with someone else. Yeah. And, and yeah. absolutely. But yes, the cool teddy bear story. <laughs> yeah. No, and absolutely cool where that went because here's the thing I love about that is you're still learning your not only your own love language, but also hers as you mm-hmm. go along. And for you to see those markers now and go, well, maybe I could have done something a little different because that didn't impact her the way I thought it was going to be. Although maybe that was my love language. Now you know hers. And not everybody does that. Not everybody continues to date their. Yeah, partner, their spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend. Um, it takes and, intentionality for sure. Yeah, and and I learned it with with my wife Tina. We're we'll be together this June. It'll be sixteen years, and I keep a little tiny scrap of paper on my desk upstairs in my office. And this was one of the greatest lessons I ever learned about her love language. She asked me like at noon. Oh, could you bring me to my nail appointment tonight? Because the weather was supposed to be bad. Where we live doesn't have a lot of streetlights and she has a tough time driving at night. 
And I just thought, oh, I was going to make her a new stand for her new monitor for her desk. Like I was going to get to work in the workshop and build her something. And now she wants yeah. me to just drive her to her nail appointment, have to sit there and wait and all that. And I thought, wait a second, hold on. So I took a scrap of paper and I wrote, which would you prefer hubby does tonight? And I put a little box that said, drive you to your nail appointment. And the other box said, build you a stand for your new monitor. And she checked off, drive me to my appointment. I realized the biggest value for her is just time together. Yeah. Even if I'm just sitting in the car next to her with my hand on her knee, just driving, listening to oldies, whatever, it was time. So I've kept that scrap of paper on my desk ever since. And every day, if she's- Oh, like the same same exact paper that she checked off? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Because I left it on her desk and then she brought it back to my desk. And that when I was down here in the studio and I got back upstairs and I thought, okay, big lesson right there, how simple it can be. And she taught me, you know, she set the boundary. So, you know, we see so many people out there and guys, we suck at this. Sometimes I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this and nothing. Well, maybe you didn't have to do all that. And some guys never learn the lesson, by the way. I mean, you just prove sometimes, sometimes you get a bit. Yeah. (laughs) Come back to the drawing board a few times every once in a while, but yeah, it's a, yeah, it, it, the, our needs are often different than our spouses and uh, our yeah. partners, and it's important to important to understand that. Yeah, in, in different languages, in everything, and I'm sure now even dealing with the clients you're you're dealing with and working with with Blue Crocus, because you work with contractors. Now you've got a background in construction, you get a background in, in the mechanical engineering, so you can understand what they're going through in their business and speak their language there. But you can also speak with them, you as a part time integrator plus your team where they may be struggling or what means the most to them, you're now probably a little more open to understanding and being able to communicate with them in the way that they need. Yes. I think understanding, you know, I talked about the dark night of, of 2020, that understanding and empathy for anybody. It's like, I, I was the person I come from a family that was very, very judgy. Like my dad hated smoking. So he wrote a a poem and left it in a trucker's lounge about the dangers of smoking. Very, very, very condescending, right? Stuff like that. And I would have felt it that way. I I did the same with my motivational posts. But the empathy that I've gained from being human, I struggle with addictions, even if it's not smoking, if it's not drinking. Mm. I have a food addiction. Food is a remedy for me. It's a dopamine hit. I'm six foot eight, so it just disappears. Mm-hmm. But um, that's something that I struggle with. The self-hate, that's something that I can relate with. It's like knowing these things. One of my favorite quotes, and I say it all the time. I share it with people when they're struggling with things. But in a Criminal Minds episode, he said at the very end, you know how they end off the episode with a, with a quote? Mm-hmm. I don't even remember what episode it was, but I remember the quote. He said, life is a hell of a thing to happen to a person. Ooh. Isn't it, though? Yeah. And we've all had life happen to us and we're all struggling in our own way. You know, we we joke about, oh, some people never leave high school. Some people never leave their five-year-old self when they got completely ruined as a kid mm. and they're struggling with childhood stuff. And I think being able to relate to that, it's it's certainly opened my eyes a lot to that. And then, you know, the ways that I operate, the ways that clients operate, the way everyone speaks a different language and everyone's speaking through their lens of what's happened to them and what they hope is going to happen to them and what they're scared of happening to them. And understanding that is, is uh, it's a key. It's a key to communication for sure. Yeah. Wow. That is profound. And, and what I love 
even extra about that kind of an asterisk on it is people like you and I don't go back to Plato, Socrates and Shakespeare for quotes. We take pop culture references. I mean, you take it from a Criminal Minds episode because that's what resonated for you. I take a lot of the stuff that I teach. I share it from classic rock song lyrics. Mm. You know, mm. I, was, I was on stage once and I said, and I quote the wandering bard of Ann Arbor, Michigan. And people looking around, I go, Bob Seeker. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, but what the message was, it, it resonated for me, and it helped to move me forward, and and that's what helps me every day. So as we kind of head into the home stretch, what's what's next? What's on this year for Blue Crocus? What's on for this year in your life? You know what? What are you working on this year with within yourself, and also with your team and the people around you? So presence is my commitment for the year. So being present with the kids, it's still something I struggle with and work through. Being present with the kids, being present with clients, being present with the team, and then developing a system that allows me to truly be the visionary and do the things that I'm good at. And then, you know, taking time off, stress testing the systems. That's terrifying still. First one's coming up end of March. You know, I'm basically, I'm, I'm checking out for a week. It, there's going to be plans in place. I'm not just going to let it crash and burn. But as I'm as I'm stepping away, spending a little bit more time with family and planning, the team will be rocking it. And I know they're going to because of what we're doing in place. So that's kind of the year, the year thing. We've got a book coming out on on uh, marketing for for junk removal that we're gonna be launching. But yeah, those are those are the big some of the big things that we've got coming and just keeping on honing our systems and our process and our results. Nice. I absolutely love that. Just climbing higher, getting better and remembering to enjoy the view along the way and also look over your shoulder, realize how far you've come, what's working, what you might need, you know, what's, what are the little pebbles in your shoe that you got to take that week and, and just see what's, you know, what could be better, what could make this even better so we can climb higher and faster and or, again, surround ourselves with the best people. Yeah. yeah. Now, how can people learn more about you or get in touch with you to have a conversation or just learn what Blue Crocus could potentially do for them and their business? Yeah, so I'm I'm pretty much everywhere on social media. Lewis Vanderbach. There's not many of us out there. I'm most active on Facebook. You can find me on LinkedIn and Instagram as well. I've got a website of the same name, so lewisvanderbach.com. It links up to everything. But bluecrocus.ca, because we're in Canada, mm -hmm. um, is where the main business stuff is housed. So all the stuff that we do, client testimonials, examples of websites we've built, that's uh, that's where that can be found. Awesome. Lewis, thank you so much for being a part of the Motivational Firewood Radio Show. And I appreciate your authenticity, your vulnerability, and for, for being a brother. I really appreciate it. Steve, always a pleasure. Really, really appreciate you having me on and always great to chat. Thank you for listening. For more information on how you can create a more vivid, focused future with the Vision Board Mastery Program, or to invite Steve to be part of your next event, please visit stevegamlin.com. <laughs>